Welcome to another episode of Latin America Review. I'm Camila Escalante, and today we're discussing Ecuador and the latest events there as the president has decided to dissolve the National Assembly and rule by decree, and we're looking at uh, potentially elections in the near future. Our guest today is Joe Emmersberger. Joe is a writer and an author. He's actually the co-author of Extraordinary Threat, the U.S. Empire, the Media, and 20 Years of Coup Attempts in Venezuela. Uh, published by Monthly Review, which he co-authored with uh, Justin Padour. So thank you so much for being with us today, Joe. Thanks for inviting me. First of all, if you could provide us with a summary with what took place on Wednesday as of around 7 p.m., 7 a.m. In the morning, what we saw was images of law enforcement surrounding the National Assembly and word that those legislators were not able to actually enter the building and that it was being closed, including all of the staffers of the National Assembly. So what happened? Yeah, President Guillermo Lasso invoked Article 148 of the Ecuador's Constitution, which allows him, without prior uh, consultation, constitutional court, without, without their pri prior approval, he is allowed, if there is something, an internal commotion, uh, he's allowed to dissolve Congress. And within seven days of that, according to that article of the Constitution, the the electoral authorities, the CNE, they have to uh, set a calendar for new elections, for snap elections for both the National Assembly and the presidency. So it forces uh, snap elections for the for, 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 for legislative and executive branch. So, and um, in right-wing media, they're already saying that the, uh, like Equivisa is a right-wing media outlet, they've been citing uh, uh, other laws, regulations regarding elections saying that, yeah, you know, the, the electoral authorities are going to have to get this going very quickly. They got like 90 days to get the first round started um, of the election. So it, it looks like the it's a good sign, in my opinion, that the right wing media is is saying, yeah, the elections have to happen quickly now that he's invoked this. Uh, what in Ecuador they call it Muerte Cruzada because it means they that both the National Assembly, they're both faced with death. They both have to go to the voters and possibly lose their positions, their elected positions. In the past, there was a lot of instability in Ecuador because Congress, Congress or legislature could get rid of presidents very easily and stay in power themselves and hope for, you know, things to settle down and then keep their seats. But uh, when Correa's movement had a process to, a uh, constituent process to rewrite the, whole, the, the Constitution, they included this mechanism which allows the president to uh, dissolve Congress and call snap elections under certain conditions. Some of them require constitutional court approval, others don't. Uh, and the legislature also has the same option, but they have to get a two-thirds majority. So they, they actually tried to do that uh, last year. Uh, but didn't get quite get the votes to for the, the National Assembly wasn't able to uh, use the Article 130 to force snap elections. But now Guillermo Lasso as president has done it. Um, the, the big issue, though, the, the problem with the way he's done it, though, there's an argument that it's illegal. It's it's not a bad argument. I, I think it's somewhat somewhat sometimes a little bit overblown uh, compared to what's gone on gone on in the past six years. But uh, you know th there was already an impeachment process approved by the Constitutional Court that was already underway. And so Guillermo Lasso, the, the way he did this, he made it very obvious that what he was doing was saying, okay, the vote's going to go against me. I'm going to get impeached. Therefore, I'm going to just, then I'm going to, as a last resort, I'm going to invoke this Muerte Cusada, like a Hail Mary to see if something good can happen. You know? uh, and uh, the problem is that, you know, you think about it, in 2018, Ecuador's constitutional court was unconstitutionally fired and replaced. I mean, the, the whole 
uh, within within the first two years of, of uh, Lenny Moreno's presidency in, in 2017, between 2017 and 21, um, Lenny Moreno was president. In his first two years, he did so much to stack the judiciary and all the uh, regulatory authorities and the prosecutors that he, Lasso has this whole regulatory apparatus that's there that will, will, will be biased in his favor. So it, over the, but until elections happen, it, there's a big concern that, okay, what's he gonna do with these, there's no legislature, and he's got this, uh, you know, he's got the 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 rest, the other branches of government uh, kind of in his favor. So what's he gonna what's he gonna do with these powers over the over the over the next few months before elections happen? My, my concern I had personally is he gonna is he even gonna have the elections, or is he gonna do all kinds of dirty tricks, uh, decree all kinds of things to disqualify candidates, or uh, or otherwise uh, uh, pre prevent them from campaigning effectively? You know, there's all sorts of tricks they can pull. Um, when you have uh, when you've stacked the, you spent years uh, stacking everything in your favor, so that's a concern. But on the other hand, you can't. You know, the big thing that's happening is in Ecuador is that you know under uh, uh, Correa, uh, homicide rate went down by two thirds uh, since Moreno under Moreno and Lasso. It's now quadrupled. Uh, it's just a, it's a, a tremendous catastrophe. Um, and so with that going on, it, there's a limit to what you can do with, uh, you know, you, you know, propaganda is a powerful thing, but you can't uh, cover up a reality that's that horrible. And uh, people are, uh, he's so unpopular that uh, I think that explains why he's kind of fractured the, the right, the, the division, the, the unity they had to keep Korea out is kind of fractured now with Lasso trying to kind of save himself by do, uh, uh, resorting to Muerte Cruzada. Well, take us back now to the reasons why he was being investigated and tried by the assembly to begin with. Um, obviously, this is a little bit tied to, as you mentioned, the rate of crime and um, sort of corruption and the different things going on in the country. And now it seems like some of the most shady characters are directly linked to the president himself. Yeah, you know, I was re I'm just I was just reading before I came on here. I was reading to to get to brush up on the details of it. I was reading the constitutional court's ruling that allowed. The, um, the impeachment process to proceed. And, you know, you read, you know, uh, uh, one of the allegations is that basically um, that Lasso allowed uh, a state company's contract to continue uh, in, in that he looked the other way when when uh, officials were denouncing corruption uh, were being uh, fired and uh, that he extended a contract that was clearly prejudicial to the state. So there's all kinds of details there that, that uh, that imply that he uh, looked the other way at corruption that, that was uh, that was enriching a, a company that was ripping off the, the Ecuadorian state, and, and one of the one of the witnesses that's been um, and some of the evidence that's emerged from this came from comes from right wing media who used to support Lazo comes from because La Posta uh, and it's mentioned in the ruling they they had uh, recordings that they they obtained of uh, officials talking about the corruption that's going on, and and one of the, and another thing just to add another. Um, Another bit of, of, of kind of to make it even look even dirtier is the fact that uh, Ruben Cheres, who an associate of Lasso's cuñado, was assassinated. He was one of the officials who's named here, who knew stuff, and all of a sudden he gets assassinated. Um, so there's all kinds of, of dirt there, basically, that, make, that looks really bad. But, you know, as I read this, I think to myself, you know, I think that if, if things weren't so bad in Ecuador, if poverty hadn't gone up, so so much if 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 the, if the homicide rate hadn't gone off i think with the media support i think he could fight this stuff off you know this kind of corruption i think he could fight it off and not, it wouldn't i don't think he would bring him down i think what what makes it so devastating is the fact that people just ecuador just have to 
look around them, see how the country's falling apart, see how violent it is, see how, see how hard it is to survive economically. And they think, well, how can this government not be corrupt? How can they let things get to the state if they're not also corrupt? It just, you know, I think that's the problem. Because if you look, if you look, you know, if it weren't for that, the details of cases can get really murky. You know, I think that in Korea's case, it worked against them too, because you just fling allegations. They're very complicated. Who has time? Like I, if, even if you try to follow all the ins and outs of the cases, it gets very hard to do. And, and in Korea's case, he had nobody defending him in the media over the past six years. So they were able to kind of fling as much dirt as they could, make it look credible. Um, in Laszlo's case, though, the, the media would probably defend him if, if, things, if he just wasn't so unpopular because of the, the horrific situation that people are living through. So why do you think this, you know, he decided to do this? Because on the one hand, um, people are saying that, of course, he's doing this in order to save himself from imminent impeachment, from removal, that he wants to remain as president long enough for the U.S. embassy, if you're of the belief that they are doing a, a, a job of, of keeping him in power to figure out how to prolong his stay in office. And then others say that this was just all a part of his plan anyways, that he wanted to do this um, in order to rule by decree, in order to be able to decree all of these privatizations and different uh, changes to labor law and other um, and, and lots of other reforms that he hasn't been able to do so far. Obviously, thanks to pressure from some of the, uh, the social movements, which in 2022 once again mobilized um, against this government. So why do you think was really the reason? Well, I think well some of the things is to ram through ram through uh, ram through laws that will perhaps shore up some of his support, like the labor, like he's already trying to ram through uh, with the Korea uh, labor law uh, uh, changes that'll flex things that'll benefit bosses, maybe uh, make labor law more flexible so that for, for the bosses to squeeze more uh, labor out of their employees and also tax breaks. He's already, he's already, uh, he's already uh, passed a decree to make it, uh, it used to be very public for certain people that have to say how much they paid in taxes. Now he's he's looking to make that uh, private again so people can't can't see how much guys like him pay. So he's already like I think that's the, it makes sense if you think about it to win support for to, to shore up any support among the right wing. That's a kind of fracturing because he's so unpopular people are turning on him. Uh, so that can win him some maybe some allies and I see it more in terms of him. I mean, maybe he's delusional enough to think he can somehow survive this politically. Who knows? But I think uh, in terms of if you can rule by decree, you can basically you give yourself time to escape the country if need be, stay out of jail, right? I mean, uh, he has the support of the, obviously has the support of the, of the of the top military and police who've come out and you know, made statements, really, really inappropriate statements as if they were a court saying that, you know, talking about how constitutional his moves are and all that. You know, that's, even if they thought it was true, that was obviously inappropriate for the military to, to come out and say something as if they were the court, you know. So, uh, yeah, I think I think it's a kind of, it provides an escape hatch for him, provides him a way to shore up support, what, what support he has in in the right wing of ecuador generally um but uh, who knows he might he, I, he would be very delusional if he thinks that he can survive this politically he's like uh at least you know one thing you could say about lenny moreno i don't think he had any delusions whatsoever about ever being popular or getting reelected. i don't think he wanted to i think he just wanted to destroy <laughs> Corizmo and power the right as much as he couldn't take off and which is what he did there's certainly rational reasons why you'd want to rule by decree push things through and, and provide an escape hatch for yourself if need be to to avoid jail you know, worst case for him so what stage are we at right now we're waiting on the national electoral council the cne 
to decide when they're going to call elections, which they should be doing in the following days. And then they'll have 90 days to hold that first round of elections. Do we think they're going to follow through with all of these steps in organizing the next election? What are the doubts that people have over the CNE? Because of course, people have, I guess, voiced a lot of opinions about the way in which things were run in these uh, recent elections, the municipal provincial elections, and also in the 2021 elections, and it's the same CNE. Yeah, it's part of the whole stacking of the the authorities that happened in the massively in the first two years of Moreno. Right, it wasn't it was the judiciary and it was the electoral authorities as well. There was all they 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 uh, Moreno handpicked the body, which assumed which then uh, gave itself the powers of a constituent assembly. Um, so yeah, it did a lot of stuff with the with the electoral authorities. And the 2021 elections, I've written in detail about all the dirty tricks they pulled. Chris. Chris movement didn't even have a really an official political party uh, as of <laughs> during those elections. It was very, it was very bad. Uh, there was the uh, the thing that Arouse, Andres Arouse has gone to Colombia recently and given testimony, and he's pursuing legal action against the Colombian prosecutors who who made a big show of these ridiculous allegations that he was financed by the ELN. And uh, that was that. I mean, people talk about electoral interference in the, in the U.S. because of. Uh, Russian trolls and stuff like that. I mean, this was blatant, and it was, it was all done, but with the general attorney general of Ecuador and everything, it was just a big, uh, big show. And um, yeah, so there's there's all sorts of terrible things going on. But that said, it, it just in February, with these authorities, uh, uh, Corazma was able to win the by by a large uh, margin the, the most electoral contests for mayor and, and for prefectures in uh, in Ecuador, and that they were able to defeat. Uh, all eight referendum proposals that Lasso put forward, even though they were carefully tailored <laughs> to try to win public support, you know, like reducing the number of uh, of assembly people and stuff like that, that he got, he got the, they campaigned against it and he got, all got shot down. And uh, so, you know, they, they've been able to, 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 to basically because of uh, uh, Lasso's lack of popularity, they've been able to, to score victories, even with these electoral uh, authorities. So, uh, if they have elections, don't, uh, you know, as, as long as they aren't uh, canceled or blatantly, blatantly rigged, even worse than they've ever been. The right wing, uh, basically, of Ecuador, is, their days, I think, are numbered in terms of having power. So, um, and I think, I, I think we see that in the way they're turning on Lasso. That example that you gave of what happened in the final week um, of that 2020 election was very uh, blatant, to say the least where they used the Attorney General of Ecuador, Diana Salazar, to make these claims associating the candidate Andres Arauz with the ELN. He doesn't even seem like anyone who could remotely be connected to a guerrilla. I mean, just the guy is kind of just, you know, he has a certain image. He's a bit of an academic. Uh, he's studied a lot in the U.S. It's a stretch to say the least. And, you know, the media was just replicating that over and over. And I don't think that most people who pay any attention at all would really believe that. But I do think it, it has some effect on voters when they're going to the polls and they feel so, um, you know, they're seeing the way in which the whole um, election is rigged, the media is lying. And I think sometimes um, that can have an effect on, on people. And, you know, that's at the same time that we saw the Pachacutic people trying to, you know, tell voters um, to cast a null vote and that they were going around with their slogans, neither uh, Correa nor Lasso 
while they were really just supporting Lasso. So, I mean, these are sort of like tricks that are um, not necessarily coming directly from the CNE itself, but other things that we have to look out for as well. And I think it really changes things if we're looking at a 90-day timetable uh, for, you know, for, for parties to pull things together. So what's going to happen in that sense? What candidates are going to run? Yeah, I've, I've, not, I've not heard any clarity on uh, who the candidates would be. Uh, when they've asked Correa or, or, or Rose, even when I've seen, they've been very, like, we're going to get, you know, kind of generic. We're going to put a program together. We're going to talk to people. It's like, it's kind of, it's very, it's very basic, right? <laughs> yeah, they don't have much time to do anything. Yeah, so they got to they got to get their house in order, get a candidate and, and start campaigning hard. But the same applies to the right. They don't, they're not in a good situation. They're tied to Lasso. They're tied to Moreno. They're tied to the whole, uh, you know, I don't want to curse on the show, but the whole disaster <laughs> that's happened over the past six years. So they're, they're in a very difficult spot. I, 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 I think they know that uh, what one, one could actually one concern I, I have, I think the Koreas have to kind of settle down a bit. I don't think they should make such a big deal about the legality, illegality of what Lasso did, because really in the context of the past six years, they've trampled the constitution so much. I mean, okay, so he, he used Muerte Cruzada to get out of impeachment, said there was an internal commotion, but in a way there is an internal commotion in the, in the, in the, in the country because the homicide rate is going through the roof. I, it just doesn't end. The massacres, the assassinations, you know, uh, it's, it, there is really a, a national emergency. It's not an exaggeration to say there's a, there's a, there's a tremendous emergency in, in the country that needs to be addressed. It should be addressed politically, should be addressed at the polls. You know, not in not in the. I mean, I, nothing against street protests, but but the whole point of Muerte Cruzada also was to provoke to pro, to go away from this idea that you just you take to the streets and you chase the government out, and and if you don't like it, you go to the streets again and chase out another one, like happened during the '90s and the 2000s. You know, it's like okay, there's got to be a better way to do this. We should be able to elect people, and they have a platform, and they follow through. You know, that was that was the whole point. So, I I want I, I what I like to see them do is is, is just focus on the elections and. Uh, focus on uh, on winning them yeah precisely so um among the claims that were made in the statement given by the leader of conaya leonidas Iza is that th that the u.s uh embassy has a heavy hand in the governing of ecuador and we know that to be the case to some extent of course uh the person who was appointed was it to the interior ministry um or was it the head of police at one point he was the head of the police um, under Lenin Moreno, and then he became, um, I believe, the interior minister when Lasso took power. And he was given the post on recommendation of the U.S. Embassy, and he bragged about that. And I think, you know, it's very clear that the U.S. has stated their continued support and the strength, they've emphasized the strength of this bilateral relationship between Washington and Ecuador, specifically, obviously, this sector represented by Guillermo Lasso. So do you, how big of a role do you think that has? I mean, I see the governments of Latin America right now looking, you know, all over the place in every direction for partnerships, for ways to, uh, you know, further cooperation with different uh, global powers overseas, with the neighbors, to look for ways of more easily facilitating trade, because they need to really get their economies um, out of the, you know, difficult situation they're in in order to just even stay in power, I think. And it seems like Ecuador doesn't feel like it's under the same pressure. Uh, they seem to be have just become one of the main countries in South America that is kind of under the guardianship 
of the United States right now. Yeah, I mean, I remember in 2021 during the election, Blinken gave Diana Salazar specifically a kind of anti-corruption award. Uh, it was just, I mean, it was just uh, outrageous. I mean, they, they, I mean, at one point, Lasso also said you had to have a U.S. visa to be uh, to be considered for. A, a, I don't know if it was a for to be a minister. You had to have a valid U.S. visa. I mean, Correa was making fun of that online because yeah, on Twitter because saying like, they have to pre they have to vet you like the. U.S. gets to vet uh, your officials based on whether they have a valid visa or not. You know, it's basically saying the U.S. gets to vet who your officials can be. Um, yeah, so they, they have a super, uh, the right wing in Ecuador are, 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 you know, what they call vende patrias. You know, they're just so uh, obsequious. They are just without dignity, basically, when it comes to dealing with the United States. But but even but Lasso recently, in spite of that, Lasso recently signed a free trade deal. Uh, well, he calls it a free trade deal with uh, China. In spite of the constant barrage of criticism, they you know Korea is selling us to the Chinese, so, you know Korea's, and but when it comes down to it, even a right wing government like Lasso's uh, can't ignore the reality that you know China is an emerging power and a major source of financing, and that the United States, frankly, is just not reliable. They can turn on you at any second and seize your assets, and they, they're so lawless now they become they've sanctioned a third of the third of the world's countries. So. Uh, they're not a reliable ally, even for uh, even right-wing governments. I think have to be weary of of getting entangled with them too much because they they can they'll just turn on. They have no regard for the law or for the you know what they say today. They might say the opposite tomorrow. They call you a friend one day, call you an enemy the next. So uh, yeah, so we'll have to we'll have to see. But uh, the, the United States their their main weapon is sanctions. It's a it's a it's a it's a weapon of coercion. It's they they could. We can make life very hard for you if if we decide to put you on our, our hit list. You know, that I think that's the that's the they still have that they're still not they're not a paper tiger. They still can can do a lot of damage. So that's that's a consideration. I mean, Rouse was talking to Ben Norton uh, a few months ago about uh, you know to develop an alternative payment system that bypasses the U.S. financial system. You know, it's it's going to take it's going to take big banks uh, elsewhere in the world uh, eventually who are just not afraid of sanctions who are just not afraid of the us sanctions it's, that's going to be a key part of it so they, they know that that's a that's a, a big concern what would you say is like the hallmark of the citizens revolution um, and the the lawmakers that are there in the country still today what are they going to be sort of positioning themselves as wanting to do for the country um, how should people understand what this political force is like, I guess, in comparison to some of the other ones, uh, some of the other, you know, socialist or leftist forces in the region today? Yeah, well, one thing, one thing um, Korea's government proved, and it's huge now, is, is that you can have progressive uh, approach to, to law enforcement, um, you know, no mass incarceration, no death penalty, and still make these massive reductions in the homicide rate. And, and in, I mean, anyone who's been to Ecuador knows you could, during Korea's time in office, you traveled around, you were safe. I traveled with my family all over the country, driving around with no fear of getting uh, assaulted by anybody. It was just a, a safe place to be. And, um, and, that, and that was through progressive uh, reform of the police, some common sense reforms, uh, you know, psychological testing, uh, polygraph testing of, of uh, police candidates. Uh, you know, I wrote about this for Mint Press News, like something like a third of the potential candidates were failed the polygraph or because they, they they had to answer like do you have to uh, uh basically questions that would that would like would you take bribes or are you connected to somebody who can make you take bribes kind of that kind of thing right just basic reforms and just throwing the resources at it and um so 
it, they showed that they can make massive reductions in poverty and 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 in and in violent crime and all those things with progressive policies. So uh, they have they have a legacy to run on, uh, they have achievements to run on, and so that's what that's what they have to do. I think, and I think you know one of the reasons that Arouse didn't do as well in 2021 as I think we probably he should have is um, you know he was kind of pressured into into trying to show that he's not a puppet of Korea's, you know, and I think he. They got they, they they basically I think they got him to overcorrect you know in, in, instead of saying well yuck I support Korea's government call me a puppet if you want he kind of tried to go the other direction kind of distance himself in the second round I think that was a bad mistake um, so I, but I mean they, they put pressure on you right they'll put pressure on you say oh you're just a puppet of Korea's and, and they'll 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 goad you into you know, going to the other extreme so i think koreas have to be wary of that you know they you don't have to say korea was god or perfect or anything but you have to admit that you know, what he did was incredible i mean they in spite of what things i mentioned you know they they threw out the military base in manta they they defended julian assange you know they they they, they their judiciary was formed so they could actually stand up to chevron uh you know and and, and for and so no you have to pay uh, 10 billion dollars of uh you know remediation to the people of uh, the Amazon. And, and now, you know, you have Lasso's government going in the other direction, saying that, you know, without Chevron was the aggrieved party. <laughs> Chevron was the victim. So, you know, you think of all the things that uh, the Korea achieved. And, uh, you know, it, it, as for the, you know, you mentioned critics of, uh, in northern countries. Uh, Korea was, you know, consider you have a small country that has the U.S. dollar as its currency. I mean, you, you consider that and you look what Korea did. He was extremely courageous. Uh, in, what, in what he was doing. He was also lucky that most of the fire, the U.S. fire was aimed at Chavez at that time. That kind of drew fire away from him. You know, they, they didn't go after Lula directly either because of that. You know, they, they didn't try to go after everyone just as, just as bluntly, just as obviously all at once. They have to kind of, they tried to single, you know, they kind of, you know, kind of good, uh, kind of strategically, you know, they, they would go after Chavez, but then go easier on the other government. So Korea benefited a bit from that, but nevertheless, um, uh, you know, a small country with the U.S. dollar, he, he did a lot. And, you know, he also put forward an interesting proposal. He said, okay, if you guys don't want us to do extractivism, then the countries in the global north, they can pay pay us to, to, to compensate us for not doing it. And, of course, so where were these northern <laughs> environmental <laughs> socialist, eco-socialist activists? What did they get going? What what did they, did they pressure their own governments to, to pay up? No, they did, it was, you know, they... I think in the north we have to look at we, what we can achieve here because yeah, uh, frankly what, what what they achieved in Ecuador is 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 amazing and we should we should say okay we should be, we should be doing better uh, over here than they did because we you know we're, we're uh, we have other advantages that we should be able to take advantage of and uh, yeah so I, I I don't have much patience for for people from the global north who who criticize Korea's government for not being bold enough because they're extremely bold and they achieved a lot. You know, one of the things that Korea said yesterday during his interview with um, uh, with Orlando Perez on Pichincha uh, was that um, that they would be happy as the Citizens Revolution to have dialogue with the Konaya indigenous movement. But of course, he specifically said that you can't have the, these sorts of talks with the Pachakutik. He made that distinction, um, you know, largely because of the role that they had in the 2021 presidential elections, uh, the role that Yaku Perez, their uh, candidate had, 
But then also because of the role that they've had just now, um, maybe you can mention that um, in the National Assembly, he said something along the lines that they're corrupt or frauds and you can't have dialogue with people like that, but you can uh, sit down and, and speak with some of the social movements that are a little bit more serious. Do you think that this could potentially um, create a space in which this citizens' revolution leftist sector can really uh, find some common ground with this very large um, indigenous movement? And like, what, what could that even look like um, in terms of electorally? Yeah, well, there, there's definitely been some effective divide and conquer over the past six years. Uh, the Koreaists the took the brunt of the persecution um, and Kanai got along with uh, Moreno at first, even supported his referendum that re basically destroyed the legal, ended up destroying the legal system and everything. And then by 2019, the, the, the economic disaster really began to hit. Then Kanai became, they organized uh, massive protests against him. This was before the pandemic, right? So this wasn't like, oh, well, the pandemic screwed things up. So, uh, yeah, so there's been some divide, always been some divide and conquer within the broader left, you know, some some movement. Uh, but also just, uh, there's, like you mentioned, Pachakutik, that they've been horrible for a long time. And it seems like whenever Kanai supports somebody for electoral politics, um, I have an interview up with David Villamar, an Ecuadorian analyst who talked about this. It seemed like they always get, uh, basically get screwed, either with Lucio Gutierrez in the, um, uh, this was in the early 2000s, where he was, you know, he was supposed to, be allied with the uh, he was allied with the indigenous movement and then he he quickly became like a total uh, right wing clown when he was in office immediately and and the Pachakutik's done this constantly where they you know that their electoral wing just doesn't uh, represent the kind of uh, leftist vision that you expect from a, a grassroots indigenous movement and so there's there's an issue there's issues there with uh, just not having having a right wing sector and it seems to be that right wing sector that gets gets into electoral position like why is Jakub Perez <laughs> the candidate the guy's horrible you know he's just a reactionary he's just a clown the crowd you know so, so that that's that creates problems right and there's there's also the the issue of extract the issue of extractivism the issue that you know the the extractive industries tend to take place in the, tend to uh, tend to take place in the uh, poorest regions in the Amazon, where the large indigenous, uh, uh, well, they're not a large population, but they're mainly in largely indigenous people, and um, so they traditionally they've got stuck with the pollution, they've got stuck with the toxic waste, and and the and the money, the resources flow elsewhere, it flow to the cities, to the elite, right? So, so there's there's a problem with um, a country like Ecuador is that there's definitely a tension that's always there between. You have poverty. You want to alleviate poverty, so you have to do you have to do extractivism. But then there's 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 that conflicts with uh, uh, very legitimate concerns that indigenous people have about the, the consequences, right? So to address that, of course, if you have money, if you have resources, it's easier to address, right? You can you can make sure people everyone benefits when uh, a poor country is more it's it's more difficult, and that's why Correa's proposal was so important. Say, okay, you want us to bypass this stuff? We you know if if there was a an international effort to, to compensate countries like Ecuador for, for bypassing that kind of development, that would ease a lot of tensions. But I think there's a lot of interest in exploiting the tensions, right? It's a way to divide, it's the way to divide leftist movements. Right. Well, one of the things that was rumored to happen when the 2020 elections took place in Bolivia, of course, that's when the MAS uh, was voted back into power, uh, ending that 12-month coup dictatorship, was that people said that Evo would be Evo would be you know driving into Bolivia 
to vote in person. He would be coming by caravan and he would be casting his ballot. He was, of course, supposed to be um, he was supposed to be the candidate for senator for Cochabamba. And he ended up not being able to do that because um, they, they, you know, the, the electoral authorities made it illegal for him. They said that he was outside of the country. They did all sorts of like weird tricks and stuff. Of course, he was outside of the country for very good reason. Um, but what happened was, uh, yeah, uh, Leonardo uh, Los, uh, who's a, a close confidant and also a younger leader of the Tropico, uh, coca growers end up taking his place and so that ended up working out a lot of the people who were potentially going to be candidates for president when that election came around when they were in the nomination process were all people who were in exile right a lot of them what is the idea what are the rumors what are people saying about how korea is going to eventually return back to the country does he have to wait and for the country to elect another government that will change the laws and make it so that he can return to the country so that he won't get arrested upon entry. I mean, what has to happen there? It just seems this is a very long time. This has happened before in history, obviously, but to have the, the main leader of this very important political party, one of the most influential political figures of the country is still outside of the country six years later, and we have no sense of when he was going to, he's going to return. Like, what do you make of that? And, and how is that going to change? I, well, what's been what's been talked about is another constituent assembly. Uh, a Korea has talked about this. Other prominent Koreas have talked about it. Say with the, the disaster, and now with with the homicide rate at you know, quadruple the level it was, this huge disaster in the country. They have a strong argument to say, look, this has been just a a, a, a complete catastrophe from day one with the total stacking of the judiciary and and the corrupt total corruption of the legal system. What we need to do is go back, elect the constituent assembly that has the powers basically to to undo a lot of the damage that's been done over the over the past six years. Remembers that the hand-picked body that Moreno created, it um, it did all its damage because it assumed illegally powers of a constituent assembly. It, it illegally just acted as if it were a constituent assembly and made all these illegal moves, right? Uh, with the judiciary, with the electoral authorities, et cetera, et cetera. So, what what uh, what's been talked about is that the Koreas, if they get into power, they'll have to convene another one to say, "Look, we fixed the country before, and how do we do? We had a constituent assembly. You know, we 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 set things right that way. So we need to do it again. We need, so that's the kind of that's the kind of drastic overhaul they're talking about to fix what's happened over the past six years." And another question, um, I think a lot of people have wondered is what is going to ultimately be the role of the armed forces and the police if there is a leftist government that is able to take power democratically through elections um, and that sort of scenario that we might see in the next three to six months. Um, are we talking about a, a military that, um, you know, potentially you, we are not going to be able to trust? That's sort of the kind of military that we saw, you know, recently Last year, there were a lot of doubts in Brazil over what was going to take place if Lula rightly uh, won the vote there in the presidential elections. They thought that perhaps there might be a coup because some, uh, let's say, higher ranked people said that they didn't want 
um, a leftist president, and of course, Bolsonaro was uh, very close to the military. Is it like a, a fair comparison to make? It seems like, as you said earlier, it is very strange that they literally came out on television to address the nation just after the president spoke. Uh, it's a super weird thing. I mean, perhaps they were doing that because of what happened in Peru. Do you know what I mean? Just yeah. in case there is any doubt in anyone's minds to say, this is his decision. We're backing it. There's no chaos in the country. There's going to be order. We support this democratic move. So what's going to be the role uh, of the armed forces and, and police here? Well, I mean, Correa was almost overthrown in 2010 by a police uprising. He was actually taken hostage. So it's, it's a huge threat, right? I mean, he had to, like I said, he had to impl implement major changes to the way police were selected, polygraph tests, all kinds of things to, to vet uh, the police force, right? And uh, it's worth noting that Pachacutic and Kanai in 2010 basically made a very ambivalent statement, uh, more or less supporting the police <laughs> when they tried to overthrow Korea. So, uh, you know, that so it just shows there, there are contradictions in the within the country and uh, that'll be exploited right by by corrupt police military and it's it's a it's a it's going to take a lot of courage to confront that but also intelligence to know who who you can trust who you can put in different positions right who you can promote i, I mean every every latin american government has to maneuver that it takes it takes guts you can't just cave but you also have to be smart i mean these guys have the guns right you have to <laughs> you have to you have to you have to maneuver that i mean it seemed like evan had had maneuvered that very well and all until he didn't right until it just it all blew up with the police it was a police and the military right so um it seemed like in venezuela it seems like under chavez and, and maduro they seem to have maneuvered that well and despite all the tremendous u.s pressure they've, they've made the right moves to keep the military and police more or less on 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 board they haven't had any certainly with the military maybe the police in the i think in their, their I, in my opinion their problem has mainly been the judiciary and the prosecutors and so much crap going on there, but um, yeah, it's it's a very it's a very dangerous situation. It's going to take a lot of courage and a lot of intelligence to navigate that because they're yeah they're they're everyone everyone in Latin America knows they're a major they're a menace because in, in the United States has spent a lot of time and effort getting their people uh, you know getting their people in there getting their infiltrating those uh, those institutions. It's easier for them to infiltrate, but they you know they, they can infiltrate leftist social movements even throughout Latin America. Imagine what they could do with a military and police, you know. So yeah, it's it's a big it's a big concern. So, but uh, again, but they've done it before. They've managed to uh, to navigate that problem before. But it, like I said, it, it it takes courage, and Korea was almost overthrown by it at one point. Okay, so what do you think we have to look out for now in the in the coming weeks? Are we basically getting into election mode? Uh, what's next? Yeah, I I my big concern is that if the if the election I. I I mean, I could be wrong, but I doubt the Constitutional Court is going to block Lasso's uh, Muerte Cruzada move. I, you know, I, I just don't see it happening because he's, uh, you know, I think the people want him out. I think a lot of the right also, they don't, they want to be tied to him. He's like a sinking ship. The, more, the longer he stays, the longer you're, you're going down with him, right? So I, I that's my guess. Uh, but my, my concern is that if they, if they, um, if they do have the elections my concern is like you say it's a short calendar it's a good point like what kind of stunts can they pull to not, maybe not cancel big elections but mainly uh, uh sway them and skew them in favor of the right wing and to try to have them uh, have more influence than they should have so uh that's that's uh 
that's my concern is, is how fair and clean will the elections be uh, under these conditions you know that's that's my big concern um i think if they're remotely fair i think the rights finished i think they've, they've they've had their six years to trash the country and i think people have had enough of them yeah i think people have had enough of them and i think there's a little bit of a feeling that some of the things that happened um before and since the uh you know the covid uh state of exception has just never ended it's just been a never-ending nightmare of people who are you know in their 20s and 30s with no prospects for real um, employment or ever entering their career um so many people were laid off so many labor uh reforms that really harmed a lot of workers in the country everybody was going to the labor uh, ministry trying to you know make demands of the of the employers to get paid people were working for six months or longer without pay and so a lot of things really fell apart in the country and that's what you know both the you know all of the different sectors of the left are saying right now that this is just unsustainable and one way or another uh things are going to have to change for sure yeah i, I believe so if you look at i put out a thing if you look at the um border encounters in the u.s uh ecuador is right up there with venezuela with it's just it's very comparable and they, they, incredibly ecuador doesn't have these sanctions on them. it's the opposite the u.s supports them and, and yet they're creating this, this hemorrhaging of people it's really terrible. Yeah, that's a really important uh, thing to to point out. Maybe you've done some tweets on that, but I also saw something on that myself, which is very interesting. And that's something that a lot of people in Ecuador have been talking about, particularly people who speak English or other languages and have been um, educated abroad. And their whole dream is just to have a good job where they live at home in Ecuador, not to go have to resort to working on the exterior. But now it's just impossible for them to sustain any level of um of of gainful employment and life within ecuador or you know support their their families so they have to they have to go to places like spain and of course in this case the united states so thank you so much joe for the conversation and for uh, uh giving us a nice little summary of everything that's taken place and everything to look out for thanks for inviting me